0: Well, it's great to see everybody here starting this year off. For me, the year doesn't change with the calendar. I know for some of us, you just wait till it flips over. I'm, if, I'm gonna, if God's going to work on any calendar, it's going to be on probably his, not the Gregorian anyway. But there is something about us that, that does when you see the calendar flip that's saying, old oh, things pass away, I'm going to set some new standards and some new things coming up. So, the 21 days of fasting, if you haven't got that, as, as Pastor Alex was saying, is out there. And so, I wanted to have it like 10 bullet points that you could pray over, just some reminders. You can add in your own notes and, and whatever the other things that you'd like to pray about. But let me just say something about fasting fasting thins us out so God can become fat. When the, you see the word anointing in scripture, it literally is the word translated fat, the fatness of the Lord or the weightiness of the Lord. So it's a good, so when you talk about make me fat, Lord, you're saying I want to be anointed. So when we thin out and our, as Alex was just saying, the re, our resistance, our resistance becomes less than thinned out, then we can become more ability, have a greater ability to hear what the Holy Spirit is saying. And when we hear what the Holy Spirit is saying, it's, it's amazing how clear things become when I'm not dealing with my own will, my own attitude, my own feelings, and, and all of those things that go through that. I can relate to what Alex is saying. I did run some track, but mainly played football, and we would run until, and then I played tennis, and you still ran. We ran. I said, what's this guy do with playing tennis? And it's to build endurance. So when I went through the the, the The rehab on my hip, man, I thought this guy was going to kill me. But I had one thing in mind. I had things to do, and this wasn't one of them. I had more to do, and to get where I need to go, I need to work this thing out and push it past that point. And so I would do things that my body was saying, are you kidding me? he would have me stand up and down in a chair 30 times. Three times, and I was done. I said, I think I'm good. He said, no, you haven't done 30 times, and I'm counting. And so after a while, the 30 times became easier and easier, and I'm thankful today that I can now put on my socks. You know, I went through all that to be able to put on my socks, you know, legitimately myself. So there is something about... The resistance that comes. We've been seeing this morning about victory. David makes a similar statement when he faces Goliath and he says to him, Is there not a cause? It's not a great translation because the original says, Do we not have history? And he uses the word dabar, d A W B A R, dabar, which means we have history. So when he's facing the giant, he wasn't talking about his own ability. He's saying, we as a nation have history with God. And then he reminded himself, you know, with the lion, the bear, and his own personal experiences. When you are facing something at the moment, the Holy Spirit will take you back and said, remember when I, I delivered you then? Remember I took you through that? Remember that things could have got really bad? I shut the door on that, opened that. Then you begin to see that I have history with the Lord. One of the words for testimony is, do it again. The testimony of the upright. So is that if God did it, then he will do it again later. The problem is at the moment we get into how we feel and how, how the body doesn't like it. And I get that. I understand totally. But when you bring the mind, subject it back to the Lord and saying, I'm trusting the Lord that God the history that he has given me, that he's going to take me all the way through. So when Paul talks about forgetting those things we were behind, he wasn't talking about the history we have with God, that all the times that God gave us history is because we have a hope and a future ahead of us coming into that. So that is a tactic you can learn to get from where you, where you are to where you need to be. The momentary light afflictions, we've all had them, will produce a greater weight of glory. Now, I'm not saying that God puts on his sickness and a lot of things. We have a lot of people out that are texting me, and Frankie's out and for you know sickness and various things, and people are texting early and said, you know, it's just gonna snow. No, I didn't know that. You know, so let, let it snow, let it snow, let it snow. <laughs> We're going to church anyway. <clears throat> yeah. So with all of those. Of things that God doesn't bring our way, but somehow or another, it strengthens us through the process so that we have a greater history, a greater sense of God, whatever you're doing in the future, you'll take me through and I can, I can beat it. I did it then with your grace and your help, and I'm going to be able to do it again as well. So I want to, I want to finish up with a series that I kind of started a, a few weeks ago, and the title of it today is, Are You a Good Son?, Remember I talked about when I refer to the word son, it's not about gender related because the Bible says that you're all son. If you're born again, then you're a son. The reason why God uses the word term son, I think, is because the son carries on the progenity or carries on the seed, the legacy for the, ever, for the rest of the family. Just as on earth right now, we're sons if you're born again. He also uses the word sons as the word of Elohim, the all of the angelic force of the heaven, though even though some of them had fallen, a third of them had fallen, he still looked at them as sons, meaning creation was. So when God wanted a partnership and on earth as it is in heaven, he still was doing it through sons. And though that sometimes we're not all good sons, but I want to look at that that idea of, of what does it do to bring about good sonship? That in terms of being a good son, that there are benefits of when there were right relationship as sons. there's a greater benefit than being a son in position, but not a son in participation. I can be a son because my father produced DNA, but I'm resisting to the Father, and I'm not participating in the purpose of the kingdom of God. So therefore, I don't get the full benefits of what it means to have that. and I'll get into that in just a moment as I was sharing back last week or the week before that, the very beginning, when God told Adam in the very beginning that you are to tend means bring to full potential, you know, the garden, the word uh, Eden is translated the garden or the place of his pleasure, the place of his presence. So when he's wanting to partnership on earth and he wanted to bring man into a relationship, into a partnership so that man would have a, a place to govern on earth, though the fallen angels had fallen away and they didn't like mankind at all. Yet the Bible says we were created lower, a little lower than the angels, but the time will come at the end of the age that we will also judge angels as well. So there'll come a time then, right now, physically, we are, we are in a position lower than angels, but the time will come the Lord will allow us that we will judge angels, however, that'll feather out. But when Adam failed to carry out what God called him to in responsibility to tend the garden, and I went in and talked about men, relationship in their own home, tending the garden, and the word garden there is very important because at that time, Eden was the place where the presence of God dwelt on the earth. It was his headquarters on the earth, if you will. So when he placed men in there, the Bible even says that it didn't even wouldn't spring up, wasn't watering, nothing was going to happen there until man took, or Adam took his place. So there's something about being positioned by God that releases the full benefits of what God intends for us to have. Having a name only doesn't produce anything. Went into what Galatians says, and was speaking of Jesus, though he were a son, talking about as a child, Isaiah says, a child is given, Child is born, a son is given. Two different things. Child is a term meaning weos, uh, which is very, uh, is very immature. It's like an infant. He said, but a son is given. The, the word changes then. It goes into the word technon for the word maturity. I've given you an immature, but the, the idea of becoming the mature one. And Jesus set the precedent of doing that. Adam had the opportunity of overseeing the entire garden of God and bring it to its full potential. So when I talk about the garden, I'm talking about tending the presence of God. If you went went into Exodus, the 33rd chapter, Moses had brought Israel out to to, uh, to the point where he's, I can't do any more with them. He's in Mount Sinai and he asked of God, if I have found favor in your sight, Not just the fact is, I'm a a, a son, but if I found favor in your sight, allow me to see your glory. And God said, no man can see my face and live. Literally, the radiation of God was so powerful, it would be so destructive to a natural man. And Moses wasn't looking for an angel to take him any farther. He said, I want to know you. I've seen all your miracles. I've seen all your power and everything you could do, God. But now I want to know you. And for many of us, we come to that point, I know your ways, O God, but now, or I've known your acts, that's what Psalms 103 said, we've known your acts, but now we want to know your ways, who you are intimately and personally. God has placed something in every born again believer to want to know him outside of just about him in our generalization. And when we come to know him in a very personal way, it becomes a very powerful way. So then we know that his word is exact. People that know me personally, they could say, I know this about him. If he says this, then that means he'll do it. Someone that doesn't know me, they said, well, I don't know if he will or not, because I don't know him. When we come to know God in a very personal, intimate way, then it's not hard of taking him at his word. Because the Bible said his word is settled in heaven forever. So therefore, I don't just believe in the word, I believe his word, and his word that enters us and takes over and has a place inside of us that has now become life-changing and transformative. We can come up to a point of life in transition, and transition doesn't necessarily transform us. The cross of Jesus Christ, in Galatians 2.20, I'm crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. The cross was a transition for a number of things from an old covenant to a new covenant, from living the outward to where it was all about the rules and regulations and what was written in stone, to the transition to where he said, now I write my laws upon the heart. So a transition doesn't necessarily mean a transformation. And I have people say, well, I'm in transition. I think that's code for, I don't know what's going on and I don't know what I'm doing. And I'm waiting for some answers. (coughs) But a transformation means everything changes that I see life differently. I see everything around me differently. I see God differently and his word becomes life and spirit to to my innermost being. So that's a transformation. The Bible says that we have been brought out of darkness into the the light of his dear son. So when you look through scripture, it's all about the son. If you want to know about relationship through God, it's all about the son. Philip says, show me the, show me the Father and it will satisfy me. And Jesus said, if you've been seeing me, if you know me, then you've known the Father, which was a legitimate question. So I want us to see today, anything that you and I are going after, it's got to go through the Son. The power of his covenant wasn't with, that was with Abraham is not, is, not our, is not our covenant. And I know he said that, that all the, all the nations would be blessed through Abraham. But Abraham, the Abraham covenant, the Moses covenant, the Noah covenant, all those covenants all the way through, God made covenant with them. But when it came time that God wanted a covenant that wouldn't fail or man wouldn't fail, he made covenant with himself. As we see the case when he told Abram, when Abram said, Art, how will I know I have a son? And he said, Art, make sacrifice, gather some animals, cut them in half, put half on one side, half on the other. And then right about sundown, he put Abram to sleep. Just like he did Adam when he wanted to take the, Adam's wife or the bride of Christ, we could say, comes out of, out of the father. So came out of, out of Adam's side. Adam was asleep. Abram was asleep. The scripture tells us that a smoking oven and a flaming torch walk between the pieces with Abram. And scholars tell us that that is a covenant made with the father representative of the, of the smoking oven and the, the flaming torch, the son. They made covenant with each other while A-A-A Abram was not even involved. He was asleep. So we understand that every all the covenant of the New Testament is based upon not our covenant, but the, his covenant with his son. No man comes to the Father except they come where? Through the Son. Hebrews 13, let us offer the sacrifice of praise, which is the fruit of our lips. So it says, the original of that says, let us offer through Jesus the sacrifice of our praise. Unless I have a relationship with Jesus personally, my worship is nothing more than sounding brass and tinkling cymbal. because even the worship is presented through Jesus where he's taking the worship of the church and he's presenting it to his father and saying, Father, hear him today. Can you imagine Jesus is taking everything that you, you pray in your heart was there and he presented it before the father. So we know that Psalms 22 says that And it's messianic that he sits in the church. Jesus, it's his church. He sits in the church and offers it before the father. So we realize that if we're going to have a breakthrough, we need to really understand the the power of covenant the father had with the son. So I don't come to him and say, Lord, I have covenant with you. Because we said, he said, when I see the blood, I'll pass over. So it's when I see the sun, then that's what allows me entrance into heaven. It can't be the fact that, listen, I've preached this many messages. I've gone to to these nations. I've done all these things. And if he doesn't see the touch of the sun or the sun inside of us, he says, who are you? Because there was those who went out from him and said, I preached in your name. I've done all these things. I've cast out demons in all your name. And yet I don't even know me. I want you to hear me. Everybody hear me right now. It's possible for you to sit in Trinity fellowship day in and day out and not knowing. You can hear the word about him, but when he comes for breakthrough in the power of the Holy Spirit, you've got to know the son and not just about him. Oh yeah, I'll get water baptized and that kind of thing. No, it becomes that, that he's a part inside of me that destroys anything else that wants to take over a part of my life that the conviction and power of the Holy Spirit is so much there that I don't want to do anything that displeases him. So that means that I love him more than I love myself. It destroys the works of the enemy. The fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. So that fear of God takes over and fills us and pushes out everything else. When he, the son, has fulfilled inside of us, fulfilling, because he said, don't be drunk as in wine with with excess, but be what? He makes the comparison be filled in the same way that what wine would do to you and cause you to be doing crazy things. Inhibition be filled with the spirit. So being filled with the spirit is so overflowing that now you're operating under the influence of the Holy spirit. So when we say that I speak in tongues, one can speak in tongues, but are you all of us, are we influenced by the Holy spirit? Those who are led by the Spirit are what? They're called the sons of God. So even God wants to see us, are we sons that are, are simply in heirship or are we literally being led by the Spirit? Because there's a difference between a son and one who's been led by the Spirit. Case in point, back to Galatians three, I was getting ready to speak to. Speaking of Jesus, he said, though he was an heir, as a child, born into this, in this world, by a virgin, but, but by the seed of God himself overshadowing him, that though he was an heir of all of the earth there, there was, yet he was under tutors and governors. As a child, he was still under those, be obedient, under his mother as, as Joseph and Mary. He was under that until the set time of his father. So I said last week, there's a saying that I grew up with, I don't know if it's Texan or what, you're never a man until your father says you are. There is a rites of passage in the natural for sons. And I know we have absentee fathers and we've had fathers that's, that's been very selfish after themselves, but I, I, there's no longer an excuse because now we have a father in heaven that is perfect. We sang it, perfect in all his ways. So we come to him and say, Lord, you're setting the example of the father And I want to come to this point to where you can say over me, over any of us, you're a good son. And that was the bar mitzvah that a father would say to a Jewish young man. And he said that to Jesus at his baptism in Matthew four, which said, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. Hear him. That was the identity that the father gave him the power of that sonship is greater than what any of us even realize. It's not a position. Well, I'm, I'm a son because of the blood of Jesus. That's positional. But when we start operating it in the son, it becomes demonstrative. It becomes empowered. It becomes him, himself working through us. Christ in us, Colossians 127, the hope or the expectation of glory, greater is he, the Son, Holy Spirit in us, than he that's in the world. He wants us to move from just being in a position of life into operating that he's in us, operating through us. Does that make sense? All right, let's jump into it. That's the introduction. John, the first chapter. And hopefully before this message over, I want to introduce you to a someone that's very prophetic and you you won't know them. And if you have ears to hear, then everyone in this room is going to get a prophetic word. I just want to tease you with that. Get ready. Obviously, it's not me because you know me. All right. John 1, 1. Galatians, excuse me, Genesis 3, the Messianic prophecy was concerning even the fall in the garden because God knew the end from the beginning and knew that Adam couldn't keep covenant. He could not tend the presence of God. So the challenge for all of us men, am I tending my home as a place or a sanctuary for the presence of God, or is it more of a war zone? When the presence of God rules He says he will even cause his enemies to be at peace with us. When the presence of God is out in front, foremost considered before we ask or think, before we put our own opinions and spin on it, because it doesn't matter what we think or we can spin it in such a way that makes it sound we're right, but it comes down to, is the presence of God such a priority that nothing else really matters except maintaining the presence of God as a sanctuary, Are you a sanctuary? Are you a home where the Holy Spirit dwells in such a way? It's not a condemning thing, but are you a good host? Are you a good son? If you are, then we have great expectations of what the Lord wants to do. So when he says in Genesis 3, the seed of the woman shall crush the head of the serpent. That was prophesied concerning Jesus. Since we were born again from the seed of the woman that crushed the serpent, then that means we are seed of the seed. Got it? If we're the seed of the seed, that means he has invested something in us. I know that we have faith in God, but God also has faith in us. How would God do that? We've messed up so many times. It's because he has faith of the seed planted in us. So if we're seed of the woman, because it came from the father's seed, the messianic prophecy. And so now we are born again. And so we're seed of the seed. In the beginning was the word capital W, which means word of God. Also trans, you'll see also speaking of Jesus, the sent one, the word became flesh and dwelled among us. The word was, was with God. The word was God. Everything was about Jesus, the word, the son. He was in the beginning, the word was in the beginning, the son was in the beginning, all things were made through him, capital him, and without him, the son, nothing was made that was made. Right there, I could live the rest of my life just off that verse. Anything that was made was not made without him, the son, the seed, the word. Anything that I want to see happen has to have those elements involved. Is Jesus the word in the middle of that? Even the fasting and praying, is he in the middle of that? Now, anything that was made, that was made, was not made without him. In him was life, and he uses the same word concerning the seed. Inside the seed has life all of its own potentiality. Inside the word of God, whether it is a written word, spoken word, that is breathed by God, has in itself the ability to recreate after it's after what it said. When the angel told Mary, nothing is impossible to them that believe. The word nothing, you've heard me talk about is that is the word rhema with God, nothing is impossible. It is the <clears throat> Rhema of God. Inside that rhema is the word to fulfill everything that you need. Isaiah 55, he sent his, his his word will not return void, but accomplish what it was meant to do. So if we understood the son and the word is so connected that when I read this, I'm reading him. I'm not just reading my Bible, I am reading him. As if he had set it inside of you. That's why it's great to memorize the scripture. Great to have it on your phone, but your phone doesn't do as good a job as it is on your heart. You can't always pull your phone up. And the devil runs at you and go, oh, hang on a second, hang on a second. Where's, where's that app? Thy word have I hid in my heart that I would not sin against you. And it was life and life. The word was life and the word was light. Inside the word is two things. The ability to reproduce and the ability that has light in it for revelation. The light shines in darkness. Darkness did not comprehend it. Verse 12, verse 14 read, the word became flesh, dwelt among us. We beheld his glory. Now, here's what I want us to see. This, according to first Peter, he said, we have, born, we have been born again, not with corruptible seed. The word corruptor, uh, corrupto is the word a lid, incorruptible means a lid taken off. So in other words, the limit has been taken off. We have been born again. The lid has been taken off. We've been born again, not with corruptible lid, but we've been born with incorruptible lid taken off, which is the seed, the word of God. So being born again means that there's seed placed inside of us. Just like when God breathed into Adam and Adam and he became a living being or speaking spirit is the original, that he said, I place that same spirit inside of you to be a partner on earth as it is in heaven. Anything that you ever come up against, Jesus, the seed and the spirit, breath of God, pneuma of God, the seed of God, the word of God and the spirit are already inside of us. Man, it takes, wrap your brain around. Think about that. Greater is he. Well, I just feel like an old bag of bones. I don't feel very good. Your spirit is very much alive. Your spirit is very much aware of eternity. Your spirit is very much aware of the will of God, but the soul gets involved and your soul will try to talk you out of what truth is. Well, it's not that, you know, I believe God loves me and God loves this and God will accept that. That's that's all spin, but your spirit automatically knows the truth. That's why when the soul is put lower than the spirit man, then the spirit of God takes over. And it's amazing what we can hear and see out of that. So what he's telling us is that, that I'm, I've placed inside of you this spirit, this seed of God. And then he goes on to Romans 16, verse 20. And the Lord and the God of peace shall shortly crush Satan under your feet. Go back to Genesis 3. He's pulling off of that. The seed of the woman will crush the head of the serpent. The word crush, the original means to separate from the core or separate from from its original. So whatever the enemy did, I come and I crush it because it's messianic prophecy that God said, I'm looking for someone to partner with that'll crush him on earth as I already did in heaven. And when you crush him, you separate him from what his original mission was to do and what he's attempting to do. So you crush him. And so the Lord, God of peace, the Irene, in other words, the God who eliminates the word peace doesn't mean that there's not problem. It just means that distraction. You can have peace and yet everything else going on around you is crazy because you got Peace. But when the distraction comes in, then it, it's disruptive and takes peace. Peace is always with us. The peace of God shall rule. It's always with us. It's when we choose to get distracted with all the other stuff that we lose peace. Peace of God doesn't come and go. So when he said, I crushed Satan under your feet, you can find all the way through Scripture the various things that God says about your feet. Jesus' hands were nailed to the cross. His feet were nailed to the cross. The two things that he's given us to fight with was pierced on the cross. He was broken so that after resurrection, the things that he's given to is we're no longer have pierced hands. He took it for us. We're no longer have pierced feet. He's taken it for us. And when you look at the things he said, I'll give your feet. Now, why is feet so important? Because feet is an actionable application of the word of God. A lot of people can believe the word of God and never do anything about it. And it never releases what God intended for it to be. Well, I know that God's defeated the devil. Then put him under your feet. But what does that look like? It means the fact that I'm going to start moving towards everything that God said I could do and I could be. And I'm acting it out on earth as it is in heaven. I'm moving towards as if I already have the victory. Not sitting there and waiting for something to happen. I'm moving towards it. Because your feet is actionable. Thy, thy feet is crushing Satan. Because I'm not going to sit here and just believe all the lies and everything. He said, I'm doing something about it. I'm moving forward with what the word of God said. And by doing something, the word now becomes applicable. The truth that, I, that changes me not this, is not the truth I hear. You shall know the truth, John 8, 32, and the truth shall make you free. But the truth that only makes us free is not the truth we hear, but the truth we do. For some of us, we know a lot more than what we're walking out. And quote scripture, they can quote all kinds of things, but walking it out is a totally difference. It is my action, the fruit of the word, that destroys the work of the enemy. So when you look at him saying that my feet has now become important, I want you to listen to some of the scriptures that God speaks about, just a few of them. In Joshua the 14th chapter in verse 9, wherever the soles of your feet, which is actionable, moving, and what God said. Wherever the soles of your feet shall trodden or tread will be your inheritance. In essence, he's saying, everybody that doesn't step into the promised land, it, they're not gonna inherit it. There were a lot of people, two million of them, that had the promise of a land that had milk and honey, but not, not those, out of those two million people, there was only two that ever inherited. There was 10 spies that saw the land, but chose not to do it. And so they didn't inherit it. But Joshua and Caleb said, we're putting our feet over there. We're moving towards that land. We're stepping in and I'm not going backwards just as a, a safe spot. I'm moving forward. At every action. Many are called, the scripture says, but few will choose. The original translation says, many are called, but not everybody will make the choice to do that. So the power of the seed of Christ is inside of us only when one person takes him at his word and starts putting feet to that and I'm moving towards what he's saying. Then that becomes an inheritance for me. Here's another one. Psalm, this is Messianic, speaking of of Psalms 8, begin, Jesus. You have put all things under his feet. So in essence, if we're the body of Christ and the head is in heaven, his feet is on the earth, you are the feet of Christ looking to walk out the word of God. The seed of the woman is, is in you, Jesus, and just walk upon it and don't let fear cause you to back up from it or what somebody else thinks you should do, move out on it. How many times have we talked yourself out of something because I think it looks foolish. Somebody else doesn't like what it's doing. And so therefore it's easier to talk myself out of it and saying, what is the Holy Spirit saying to me to do? I was in Africa a number of years ago in in Kampala and and, um, there were some young men that was at the conference I was doing and they had graduated recently from a Bible school and they asked me and I had that day off and they said, would you come to a place we were planting a church? We'd gone out to where the, the the source of the Nile River starts. It's a big whirlpool out of Lake Victoria. And right there, the Nile River just goes down there and goes down towards Egypt. It's was, it was an interesting phenomenon. Makes you wonder, wonder if I jumped down there where I'd come out. You know, a few countries away. So I was watching that and he said, we we have bought this little bit of land up on top of this hill to plant a church. But the local witch doctors have an Ashtaroth there, which was a, a place where there was an, a altar and there was a two headed snake. And I said, really? He said, I see you mean symbolic. He said, no, there's a real two headed freak snake snake there. And they come and put eggs on this altar and pour wine on the altar, and this two-headed snake comes out and gets it. So we've seen it. So we bought the land. The local witch doctors there, that people were very afraid of, they were upset with him and started being very resistant to him. And so, we want you to come, and we're holding our first service there." And it was a grove of trees and things there. So he told me, I said, oh, okay. He said, we've had a a, a tractor up there, kind of like a bulldozer, and they've come and, and pushed down some trees. And when they pushed down this one tree that had where this serpent supposedly lived under, this snake came out. And the tractor operator was able to run this snake down and kill it. So now these witch doctors were so angry at him that they were threatened to kill him. And so now we have our first service. So we had chairs set up. There was uh, some, some metal around there, just, just as a lean-to. And I said, so we started, and they were, you'd see people down the hill, but they wouldn't come. They weren't coming, they weren't coming, they weren't coming. And I said, where are the people? He said, they're afraid to come. They're afraid of the witch doctors. And I said, well, we, we, <laughs> we need to pray, do something. And I said, show me where the snake lived. And he said, right underneath the pulpit which was just a little stand. So I said, get the musicians, strike up the band. So there was a, you know, you have a, one guy who played trumpet, he could get enough sound out and there was a guitar player and that was it. And then somebody was beating a, a drum, a hollowed out log with animal skin over it. We had church. So I, they, we were worshiping the Lord. I heard the Lord say, I want you to go dance on the hole of the serpent. We're gonna crush the head of this spirit that had, has possessed this ground and called it its own. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. These guys were bold, but they were kind of afraid of that hole, for whatever reason. So I just started, started dancing, started. Da- I get a little higher then, so I was jumping up, jumping up, down and hollering and. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. And we just started saying, the worst, worshiping and blessing this ground is holy ground. And I said, you got something to pour out. They had some water, so we just started pouring it out here. And I, we declare that this, is, and they were translating, where this is ground as now has been repossessed by the God of creation who bought and paid for this land. And so a little bit, a few people started coming up the hill. Little by little by little. I guess they figured out I didn't get snake bit. And probably wanted to see what the white guy was doing anyway. As they came up a little closer and a little closer, they started coming in and sitting. And just sitting there, just like, I'm, I don't like this at all. I don't like this at all. So I just started praying in tongues. Using their language, and their, not their language, but using their music and tone. All of a sudden, I started seeing them one by one get up. Start talking about the blood of Jesus that destroys the works of the enemy. And I don't know how many got saved that day, that point. The Lord has literally put within our feet something that prophesies. There's another place in scripture in Psalms, Psalms 18, he said, He makes my feet like hind's feet, a deer, if you will, and he brings me into high places. The word of God getting so strongly inside of us that we start being obedient to everything he says to us instead of letting culture decide for us and saying, well, that's not my nature. Well, maybe it should be a new nature. And the word dance simply means to move around. It doesn't mean to you know, see how high you can jump. When they'll get up there, I'm working on getting a little higher. But what it tells us is the fact is Thy word has gotten inside of me. Now it's working out through me, spirit, soul, and body. Anything that was made was not made without him, the word. If he, the word, is inside of us, there's more inside of us than what we think is there. And we should allow him to become greater than ourselves. Fear means I've taken on a, great, a master. Faith means I've taken on the one who created me to destroy the works of fear. Fear will cause a person to move forward and just cause them just to be happy with just being static, going in a circle. Don't I don't mess with them. They don't mess with me. And yet the kingdom of God is pushing back against the gates of hell. We're going to see that begin to take place. If I was Chinese, which I'm not, and believed in all that there are folklore or their Zodiac stuff is, I would say this is the year of the feet. Not the year of the dog or the year of the dragon. This is the year of the feet. I'm just going to allow him to take me places and do things and step my feet on there that has been ground, that has been pushed out and taken from me. I'm going to take it back over, not by just beating my chest and making strange you know, declaration, I'm going to stand on that ground until I see the glory of God come and transform that moment and that place at that time. If you haven't seen it come yet, then just move a little stronger, move a little far with that. Knowing the fact is that you are his feet on the earth to accomplish what he said you already could do is crush the head of the serpent. And if the devil's gaining ground then begin to start dancing on that ground and saying, this is holy ground, I'm going to take it over. And if you think that's foolish, then you'll stay right where you are. But when you, I've, I've seen Diane do this, I've seen her just get up in the middle of the night and she'll just go dance around. I, I know what she's doing. She's offering the Lord a sacrifice of praise and breaking something because that have a hold and so offering it as an offering to the Lord. It says, Psalms 141, the lifting up of your hands be as the evening sacrifice the hands and the feet are to be demonstrative before the presence of God. Well, that's great symbolism. Do you believe Jesus died symbolically or did he really die? Am I crucified with him symbolically or did I really? I physically didn't, but I spiritually have been crucified with him. Therefore, the power of his resurrection dwells and exists in all of us who call upon the name of the Lord. There are play, There's ground that we've been given over the enemy and just said, that's just the way it is. But if there are promises that God has given you, then you need to stand the ground and hold tight to that. I was talking to these young men afterwards and I, I said to them, I said, so what was the change there is it just because they they'd never seen a white man dance or, you know, I heard white men can't jump But we were, we were dancing anyway. He said, no, it's because you didn't fall down dead. Because they had been told all the while by these lies of the enemy that anyone who takes steps on that ground without their permission will be stricken. When we confront the lies of the enemy by not running away, and that's the easiest way to do it, but you move forward with your feet, then you're confronting the lies that have no dominion except what we give it to have. The easiest way out is not to run, but the easiest way is to run towards the sun and see the power of his presence move forward with it. Isaiah 52 says, how beautiful are the feet of them that spread the gospel of peace, preach the gospel of peace. So there's a lot. There's over 160 some scriptures that relate to the, the feet. Is it symbolically? Some of them probably, a lot of it, no. It means I'm moving forward. The lifting of my hands was the position of the high priest when he was offering the sacrifice And no wonder it was Jesus, he was crucified with his hands lifted up. He was the high priest over his own confession. I told you I wasn't going to introduce you to a prophet that you don't know, but you're going to get ready to know them. Let me start out with this. In Luke, the 15th chapter is the parable of the two sons. We all know about the prodigal son, took his inheritance, pig pen. It was actually the culture and the custom that he could ask that from his father because he was of age. And his father gave him his inheritance. We have the contrast of the elder brother who had an attitude and yet stayed in the father's house. The prodigal son took his and said that he goes into a foreign land. He's among people that's not of his culture, his nature. And he had friends as long as he was buying them with their money, his money, his father's inheritance. I, I could preach a whole message on your father's inheritance. Acts chapter 2, when the, he pours out this, the wind of the Holy Spirit comes in Acts chapter 2. That was the inheritance of the father. What are you doing with the Holy Spirit? Do I grieve him or does he guide me? There were both sons. The one in the pig pen, though he was son in name, he had no benefits or authority of the father, but he, he was a son. There are sons that may be sitting in churches all over or maybe they just got tired of church period and they're not even in church. And yet they have no benefits, but they're a son. I've invited Jesus into my heart and life. And, but then that was, that's over. And then you see the elder brother, when, he, when the prodigal comes back home, the elder brother is so angry. And the father says to him, you've been with me all the while right here. And he said, but look at all the things I've done for you. I've worked hard for you. I've taught, taught classes. I've taught Sunday school. I've cleaned the church. I've tithed. I've done all these things right here. And you didn't give me a party is because it's possible to be with him and yet never allow him to be with us. He was right there close enough to have intimacy, but chose not to have intimacy because all he knew was about working for the father, never being a son of intimacy with the father. And he was mad because his prodigal had learned something and learned the fact is, though I was a son, I lost the benefits, I lost all of the position I had. And when he came home, the father forgave him and put his robe upon him, restored him, and it made the elder brother mad. There is a revival move of God that's going to come, I believe, to this nation before before long. I don't know when. I don't, make, I don't make those kind of predictions. And he's preparing to gather those that have been lukewarm, who've taken, gone away from God. And we need to make sure that we're not going to be the elder brothers when God brings them back home. Are we as close and intimate relationship with Jesus not just doing stuff for him, not just clicking the box off, but the relationship is so close to him that his very word is a lamp to our feet. His very word becomes a walking path. His very word becomes direction. I don't have to worry about left or right or or going off and then coming back and and I'll repent about it later. If I know that I'm doing wrong, but I say, okay, I'll repent later, it means that I don't love him. I'm, I'm taking advantage of his grace and that I've said grace. It's unsanctified mercy All right. I want to introduce you to the prophet. Who do you think it is? Look at somebody on your left says you're it. You're it. I know in the new year that people are always looking for a word. What's God saying? Let me tell you that his word is always saying something. But we tend to look for someone to tell us what he's saying about us. But being a son of the house, I'm talking about this house. Oh, so we, we do have sons of the house. Being a son of the house means the fact is I know what the father is saying and doing. Jesus made sense of that to his disciples when he's saying to them and his disciples said to him, how come you are talking to us plainly but to everybody else you're using parables? He said, because it is for you to be given what the father is saying. Because the slaves... They work for the Father, but they don't, they're not in intimacy with the Father. They don't know what the plan of the Father is. So I'm not worried about the Antichrist. I'm not worried about what's going to happen, this is going to happen, they're going to drop this or drop that. You know, I, I don't spend very little time talking about that. As long as I'm in close proximity with the Son, He'll either tell me, protect me, or take me. I'm good either way but I am not going to spend any time worrying about the antichrist when I want to have a relationship with the Christ. And part of the enemy is to get us all taken up with that and that we miss that I'm, he's been right here with me all the while. Now I think there's some things in scripture I'm not totally against all you know, understanding that, but I'm not going to spend all my time trying to figure out and connect the dots and who's this and which toe and which horn and which which is which is going to be i have my own opinion but it doesn't do anything to bring me closer to jesus because it's the word set in us that things happen and changes you are the prophet or the spirit of prophecy because the bible said the spirit of prophecy is the testimony of jesus revelation 19:10 is already in you. If you're born again with the seed of Christ, you're a son born of the seed, then the spirit of prophecy is already in you. So what would Jesus, the spirit of prophecy, say to his sons? You've heard me tell the story one time I was coming back from media in Bastrop a few years ago, and man, it was a long, long week. Church was really difficult to minister in, dying those she wasn't with me that trip. She'd been there before. Probably with leadership and various things. I mean, I was exhausted. I left after, after the service that night and it was late coming down. I mean, the rain was just pelting. It was raining hard it was in my truck and I called Diane. I said, I'm on my way. Here's what's going on. She could barely hear me. It was raining so hard. So I got off the phone of just me and the Lord and pitch black. And I said, Father, I pour out everybody else. I've been prophesying for days here. And no one ever prophesied to me. I understand kind of why. Didn't think I'd really get an answer because I was tired, self-pity, you know. Can I just have a moment, Lord, where I can just kind of vent a little bit? He wouldn't even let me do that. He said, the same spirit dwells in you that you prophesy over everybody else is the same spirit that will prophesy to you. And I said, I know myself too well. And he said, you don't know yourself the way I know you. What man knows the spirit of the man save the spirit in him? And I said, well, you know what? Just me in the truck. I don't know if it's legal or not, but I'm gonna give it a shot. Verbally, I started out loud prophesying things on myself. Before long, I had tears going down my cheek. I was hearing the Spirit of God saying things about me to me and about things in the future that I would have never, ever thought possible that I could even believe God for. Just in the last few weeks have I seen some of those things that he spoke to me starting to come to pass. Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, making melody in your heart. The word psalms simply means the word put to music. Psalms. So I was surprised that there was things that the Holy Spirit was saying that I didn't even know that I had a right to, or my mind wouldn't allow me myself to go there because it would have sounded too arrogant, or sounded, you know, some way or another that my flesh wouldn't like it. So this morning, you can trust the word of God to say it's a speaking letter, right? This word was God-breathed. Holy men of old spoke as the Spirit of God moved upon them. It is Spirit-breathed word. So you can ask the Holy Spirit. First of all, the Holy Spirit knows the mind and the will of the Father, And Jesus said, when the Holy Spirit comes, he will guide you into all truth. This word is truth. And then he will remind you of the things that he said. So he will just take you through and can read you the prophecy that is from the right off the throne of God. And you can't say, Carrie gave me this word or this so-and-so gave me this word as if it gave any more validity. Because we found out this last year, there was a lot of prophets that were well-known and it didn't mean that it came to pass. What is the Holy Spirit crying out inside of you? The first thing is the beginning of that. And he said that the Holy Spirit, when crying out, Abba, Father, you're my father. Granted, it's hard to hear when your ear is plugged into the world, when you got one foot in the world and one foot in the kingdom of God, it's hard to hear, hearing mixture. You just have to go by what somebody else is saying. But when you take this word and start digesting it in your own spirit, it becomes life and spirit. Going back to John 1, in him was life, the ability to reproduce and spirit which is the ability to bring it to life. His word is saying something. He wants you to know that he can, wants you to say, you're a good son. My sons and daughters, as he said in the last days, Joel. Peter gets out and figures that out on the day of Pentecost. This is what Joel 2.28 says, in the last days, my what? Sons and daughters will prophesy. Not just a few people that are called prophets, not just a few people that have any kind of edge on anything. If you're a son or daughter, you have the right to prophesy over yourself what is your direction. Well, first of all, we know God's not going to say anything to you that's going to be destructive so what is it that you're looking for? Mark eleven twenty four 24 says, "'Thy word have I hidden in my heart.'" Excuse me, let me back up. "'Whatsoever you desire, when you pray, believe.'" Believe means it's possible, but when you start putting feet, action to that word, something is transformable, it moves from transition to transformable. I know there's some things I should do, but, you know, haven't acted on it. That's transition. But when you get so tired of being in transition, he said, I'm ready to move. I'm going to put the soles of my feet, put word into action, and see the kingdom of God manifested and coming fully. The year of the feet. Year of being obedient to the Lord. And don't don't go away saying, Pastor carries in, we'll move from the year of the dog to the year of the feet. That's not what I'm saying. Jehoshaphat told him in 2 Chronicles 20 when the five kings were coming after Moab and Ammon and some of those and God says to Joshua, Jehoshaphat, you don't need to fight in this one. Doesn't mean there's times you don't, but you don't fight in this one. But position yourself, be still. And know that I'm God. Well, the word still there didn't mean the fact is don't move a muscle. Because they they did. They got out their tambourines. And they started responding and reacting. So he said, stand still. In other words, don't act out of what you think it ought to be. But stand still, which means stay in formation with what God's calling you to do. And as they begin to thank and praise and bless the Lord then God set ambushments against the enemy and destroyed the four or five nations that came out against them. And neither one of them had even raised the sword because they found the position that God was saying, I'll honor that position. The position that changes everything is, is what is my position in relationship with Jesus? I know I can say he's my Lord, but then my action, my feet, says something, says it all. I can say the right things, but my, my feet lead me somewhere else. Where is my feet, my heart, and my hands all saying? I want to go to the high places with him. I want to be seated in the high place with him. That's not a legalistic thing. Now, please hear me that me and you don't go home and say, all right, from now on, line up family. We're going to Bible study this time, this time, this time, this time. We're going to do you know. It doesn't work. It is we walk out in front of our family and let them see the life of God in us so we're not demanding. That's self-righteous. But we're walking out in such a way that they say, man, there's something different about him, something transformative about him. We've transitioned from talking about God now to moving into seeing God. We're at work. Right now, I'm going to believe God he can give you a word and speak to you. Psalms 107 says, that He sent His word and it healed them. I meaning, His word is alive. It's not just a verse written in the Bible, it is alive. Get a verse that has life meaning to you. And that word alive in you will cause your feet to start moving in the direction of your passion. If your passion is something in this world, is temporary, it's all going to pass away. But you might as well move in a passion towards God that has eternal value than, than just doing self-righteous acts. I haven't had a chance to talk with Diane this morning about what I'm getting ready to tell you. That's good, baby. I very seldom talk about dreams because I don't put a whole lot of stock and everything with that. But somewhere in the dream, I was wrestling as if I was in a wartime and I was, I was in a vehicle that I was paid to drive this vehicle and it turned out to be a vehicle that uh, the Germans, maybe I watched a World War II movie too late, driving this vehicle, and so I came across someone, although I wasn't part of that enemy, and I was struggling, and I was shot in the stomach. But I was able to overcome the person I had fought with. Must have been in the 20th century. I was able to call 911, and I said, I don't think you can get to me soon enough, because I'll bleed out before you can come but I want you to record what I'm going to say to my family. I said, first of all, to my life partner, Diane, thank you for walking with me in full godly array. I haven't had to drag you in. I haven't had to pull you in. You were there encouraging me to be all God calls me to. Then I went into my eldest son and I started giving him his word and then went down to the next one. And some of them were words of saying, my concern that God's given you this, but you've chosen this. And I said, I'm afraid. My concern is I won't see you on the other side. It was very strong. It was very stern. And the last thing that when I... Because I was, I I was awakened by then and still processing what I was saying. And the last, I mean, I was awake and I said, Lord, I don't want to leave anything on the table of gifting empowerment that you've called me to do or be before I leave this earth. When I go before to you, Lord, I want to say that I've given 100%. I didn't have one foot in, one foot out, and that I wasn't preaching and asking people to do anything, that I wasn't doing myself, walking out in front of my family or my children, that the kingdom of God is at hand. I don't have time to mess around with drama. I don't have time to see who's who in the zoo or who cares about this or worrying about this thing or what anybody else thinks. If the kingdom of God is before us and I'm going to walk up to a high place in Him if we have we don't have time to wonder about, well, let me consider this. that The kingdom of God, redemption, is at hand. And redemptions draw nigh. So my word to you as a as a church, a congregation this year, you better mean business with God like you've never meant before. The Bible said He knows those are His. And if you those are His, depart from iniquity which means propensity generationally, don't mess around with stuff. Don't mess around with just gray areas. Don't mess around with stuff, you know, that has, well, it could be God or not God. You're lying to yourself and the enemy is taking advantage of you. It's time he's saying there's a falling away going to happen, but then there's a gathering and you may, I want to miss the Lord because I was just fooling around. The kingdom of God is inside of us, he tells us. It doesn't come with observation. So if this is the, my passion, that, I, that the Lord spoke to me in a dream, then I'm going at it with full tilt. I've had friends say, you need to, other pastor friends, you need to slow down. I said, why? I have eternity to slow down and have a feeling it won't happen then. There's always another time, another time, not like this. And I will, right when my body or my mind says, you you shouldn't do this, shouldn't do that, I just want to press farther in and break through that to have an encounter with the Lord. Because for such a time as we're in, we're moving from transition into a transformation. And that transformative state is going to be seeing signs and wonders and miracles that the dynamic power of the Holy Spirit is going to come upon us. Can't play church. It's not about, oh, well. I know so much. That's the hardest thing to be is to know something and not walk it out. You're better off not knowing anything than to know truth, but choose another way out. Sharing, I think recently, I had a friend that I have not seen in 50 years. Play tennis with him on tennis team. Calls me just right before Christmas. I was dumbfounded. He was Church of Christ and he pick on me for speaking in tongues. I didn't have enough word in me to know what to say. So now he is spirit filled and emboldened about the things of God. And is just pressed on there. So I've read all, all five books of yours. And I said, I haven't even done that. And he said, All I can say is that I've got this red hot passion for God like I've never had in my my life. He's an engineer for for Microsoft in Seattle. I know all of the, I can understand the the nuances of energy and light and and, uh, frequency, and I know all of that stuff, but it pales when it comes to knowing Jesus. He is light, He is glory. He is sound. He is frequency. His word goes beyond what science has even understood. So let me just say this to you. The one who has all the answers is inside of you. The prophet you seek is inside of you. Y'all were hoping some guy was going to walk through the door and choose me, choose me. Well, you're all chosen. He wants to reveal himself. First thing he does, he'll reveal himself to you as the father and the son who's made covenant for you. That covenant opens the door to the authority and the power of the word. If you don't understand covenant, the word will just simply be another book to read. But when you understood the power of the covenant that was sealed by blood, that when you quote and declare this word of God, the blood of Jesus Christ backs up that word, just like gold backs up the dollar, well, when it used to. His blood backs up his word. So when you say in the name of Jesus and you step feet Put feet down on the head of that serpent. The blood has already decided for you. I just said, I just need someone to come into an agreement. And it destroyed the works of the devil. Whatever you're going through, the solution is already inside of you. I just simply need to get out of the way where I can hear the Lord. For some of us, we know what to do, but we don't want to do it. (laughs) <laughs> so my friend Don Williams played tennis that for 50 years little did I know 50 years would come right around again and it's positioned him in a place where science and the spirit has come together I don't have time to get into it, but there's plans being made to where one of the greatest platforms the world has ever known, just like they're so concerned that the Antichrist can get on the internet and broadcast to all the world, let me tell you, the Christ is way ahead of the Antichrist. A few phone calls from today. We'll be close to getting there. So, Father, I pray over every person in this building right now that we as a receiver come to you and ask as the Holy Spirit, the transmitter of heaven, would transmit to us, O oh God, words of life and spirit. Forgive us, Lord, that we want we've looked for people to give us a word. And there's nothing wrong with that when it happens. I want a word from the word, Jesus. The Christ, the anointed one. You're closer than what I even knew. In one moment, Lord, you can answer the questions. In one moment, you can move me from wannabe to I'm passing through that that hole and never going back. Forgive us, O God, the times of waffling so much. And running away from your presence instead of running to your presence. Some of you in this room, the reason you feel so uncomfortable at times is because you're running from the presence of God. That's what Adam did. God wants you to settle it. Breakthrough means I never crawl back through that hole. If I keep crawling back through that hole, it means Jesus wasn't enough. Completely sold out for the kingdom of God. Completely not looking back. Putting our hands on the plow and then turn around looking back and say, well, I'll maybe take another look at this or you take your hands off the plow, the Bible says you're not fit for the kingdom of God. Well, that's real strong, brother. Well, I didn't write it. It's what the Bible says. For me, I don't want to take one hand off And I don't even care about having a mirror to see what's behind me. Paul said it's all done anyway. He didn't say just the bad stuff. I mean, the fact it's done, it's over with. I'm ready to move on to the next thing. I don't have time to, should have been, could have been, might have been, or be offended or upset. All that does is takes us off center from going after Jesus. Father, I pray over this house, God, that we would have an ear to hear what the Spirit is saying right now. One word dropped in our heart, born, birthed by the Spirit of the Lord, changes everything. Whatsoever you desire, what is the desire of your heart? Believe that you already receive it. That means that the seed that you're believing God for is already in you. He's waiting for feet. He's waiting for hands. He's waiting for thanksgiving and worship, honoring, watering that seed and believing for it to come to full potential. Stand with me if you would, please. So I declare over all of us right here this morning, the spirit of prophecy Is a testimony that would speak over and to inside of you that would settle the question, settle the identity. It doesn't matter what family you came from. It's all about the family you're going to. doesn't matter where you've been or what you've done. It's a ply of the enemy just to get stuck there. I don't even care I want to talk about it. I want to talk about what he's got in front of me. I'm not going to come down off the wall and debate a bunch of stuff. I'm going to move towards his holy hill. So, Father, we present ourselves the living sacrifice. Would you come and burn up all the stuff that's been so mixture? Let the passion and power and the glory of the Lord so weigh upon us in such a way that we'll not go back this way again. For anyone in this room that you don't know Jesus or maybe you know about him, but you've never let him become Lord or the governing, guiding force in your life. but you Maybe just take it back, back and forth, back and forth. Today, settle the issue because the time is getting at hand where he's saying, I want to separate the sheep and the goats. I'm going to separate those who know about me and those who know me. Not just those who, didn't we cast out demons in your name? Those who really did. Father, let the word prophecy drop right now in every person's heart. Let husbands be able to prophesy over their wives in such a way that would be honorable, bring glory to you without trying to use it to manipulate them to get anything. And may wives declare over their families as the house of the Lord, people of God, without trying to transform through manipulation. We let the word speak for the word and let the seed come alive and trust you, Lord, for all of that. In Jesus' name, amen.